Welcome to the Choice Magazine podcast, Beyond the Page. Choice, the magazine of professional coaching, is your go-to source for expert insights and in-depth features from the world of professional coaching. I'm your host, Gary Schleifer, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today. In each episode, we go, well, like we say, beyond the page of articles published in Choice Magazine and dive deeper in some of the most recent and relevant topics impacting the world of professional coaching. Exploring the content, interviewing the talented minds behind the articles, and these, these, if the screen shows, I've got one on each side, and uncovering the stories that make an impact. Choice is more than a magazine. For over 20 years, we've built a community of like-minded people who create, use, and share coaching tools, tips, and techniques to add value to their businesses, and of course, make a difference with their clients. That's what we're all in it for, right? In today's episode, I'm speaking with Sarah Kegerice and Corey Colton, who are the authors of an article in our latest issue. And for those of you who are watching, I got mine, Humanizing Healthcare, Courageous Coaching at a Crossroads. Lots of C's in that one, just like in Corey Colton. The article is entitled The Strength of Two, The Dyad Partnership and Coaching. It can be found on page 34. Um, let me tell you a little bit about our authors today. Sarah Kegerice is an industrial and organizational psychology practitioner and serves as a senior leadership consultant and coach for Carillion Clinic's Institute for Leadership Effectiveness. In her role, Sarah creates and facilitates leadership development programming and coaches senior and executive leaders to leverage their most authentic and effective self, as we all do. Sarah's recent focus has been on creating sustainability and well-being within dyad leadership teams, as well as creating sound measurement processes to showcase the organizational impact of coaching. She has a goal to improve the work environment for an organization's most important asset. Any guesses? It's human capital. Sarah holds credentials as a professional certified coach for the International Coaching Federation. Welcome to the club a project management professional through Project Management International. And, and this one I love, by the way, Sarah, certified ROI professional through the ROI Institute. No one's going to argue with your results. She holds a BS in health science and health administration from Old Dominion University and an MA degree in industrial and organizational psychology from Adler University. Interestingly, we have Adler Coaching School here in Toronto. Our other author, Corey Colton, Senior Director of Carillion Clinic's Institute for Leadership Effectiveness, is passionate about helping leaders and teams excel with joy, energy, and authenticity. He believes that we should help leaders leverage their best qualities and that leadership development is not a moment in time experience, but a continuous process of learning and expansion. You'll love to hear my closeout on this podcast, Corey. Corey has over 20 years experience in organizational learning and leadership development, across multiple industries, hospitality, financial services, telecommunications, automotive, and healthcare. Have we been on the same path? I don't know. Previously, Corey was Executive Director of Learning and Development for Vanderbilt Medical Center and Director of Learning Operations for Cox Enterprises. Corey's also a professional certified coach, welcome to the club, through the International Coaching Federation, and also a board-certified coach through the Center for Credentialing and Education. At Carillion, Corey leads a team focused on individual development programs for administrative and physician leaders, dyad development, individual leader and group coaching, leaders coach programs, mentoring, and nurse leader development. And in his spare time, he sleeps. 
Thank you both so much for joining me today. I could say the same about both of you. Wow. Well, I, I don't even need to ask the question, why did you write this article? But what brought the two of you together to decide to write this article for this issue? And welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, I've been coaching now for a while, and so has Sarah. And when we heard that there was going to be a healthcare edition mm -hmm. um, of choice, we felt like we had something to say in the dyad development and coaching space that we figured that other people might not have the experience to write. Um, I think Carillion uh, is ahead in a, in a few places and dyad development is probably one of those. Uh, and I'll let Sarah answer too, because she might have a different perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think for us, we had an opportunity sort of through COVID to restructure our dyad program a little bit. We needed to tweak it in a couple of areas. And so the two of us worked very closely on doing that. And so we felt it was the perfect opportunity to showcase some of that. Okay. And I'll be honest, until you guys presented this article, I had no idea what a dyad relationship was in this in this context. Is this common amongst healthcare? I, it is common among healthcare. However, um, even being in healthcare my entire career, so we're spanning on, you know, almost 20 years, it wasn't a language that I was incredibly familiar with. So I think the wording is understood, but what it actually entails is not. Well, that brings me to a really good point because I'm reading the article and it's like, okay, well, one of the two of you explained how it actually works. Like I get the outcome, I get the reasoning, very clear in your article, like amazing. But how does it actually work? Who, who's in the room? Yeah, so in terms of the leadership structure itself, it's it's really, it's, I think people have this understanding that there's a clinical leader and they're sort of off doing their thing and there's an administrative leader and they're off doing their thing. So what you end up having is still siloed leadership over one department. So what we're trying to do is bridge that gap and say, yes, there are clinical responsibilities for you and there are administrative responsibilities for you, but there's a lot of crossover. And until those things are actually happening together, leading in your silos isn't doing your department any favor. So it's really about getting those two individuals together to have more meaningful and impactful conversations on how they're leading. Yeah. And, and if we're talking to people who are not familiar with healthcare, when we talk about a department, we're talking about things like orthopedics or practices around family and community medicine um, or departments in an inpatient hospital like rehab and physical medicine. So uh, generally we have, like Sarah said, a clinical leader over it for the physician side of it and an administrative leader over for the, uh, how are we doing? How's our throughput? What money are we making? What equipment do we need? Those kinds of things. Uh, and like Sarah said, when there's not dyad leadership, uh, the same people could be getting multiple messages uh, and wondering how they're gonna move forward. And, and when does the coach come in? Well, we started because diets had been around for curling for about a decade or so, but there wasn't a real structure to them. We sort of started going in just these one-off conversations. We would 
we were building the reputation for the Institute for Leadership Effectiveness. And so we were getting some requests and we would go into dyad leadership teams that were requesting our services, which sort of started to trickle in. We were doing just a couple of those a year. And then we started to incorporate dyad development in our onboarding process. I think with COVID, we saw like many organizations, some turnover, which provided some opportunity for us. So now we include dyad development as part of that onboarding process for anyone who's in a dyad relationship. It sounds a lot like a buddy system. Is it kind of like, it's it's like, you know, you're you're an expert in your area, you're an expert in your area, but we we can't coexist in isolation. We need to talk to each other and support each other. Because when I got that, when you said the word onboarding, I'm thinking you're matching up with somebody right away from the get go. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we hope that it turns into a buddy system. Um, <laughs> without awareness, sometimes it doesn't start that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So you may have decisions made on the clinical side and then the staff get told they need to carry this out. But the administrative leader that leads that staff was not potentially in that process or vice versa. And so we want it to be a buddy system where people are doing shared leadership, shared decision making, shared change management. What are the biggest impacts you see? ROI, I'm going to point to Sarah. Yeah, you know, a lot of it's at this point, we've done a lot of qualitative research into the impact of some of this. But what I tend to see in this work is these leaders have never sat down to have strategic conversations. It's been very much, you know, I'm clinical side, here's my scorecard items, or I'm administrative, here's my financial responsibilities. But there were never times where they were coming together to say, how can we help each other meet these things that we're ultimately responsible and accountable for? And so there's been a lot of changes in how these leaders are leading the people underneath of them, how they are communicating with each other. So they're able to more collectively and collaboratively meet goals and support each other in meeting the goals that they have under their sort of direct responsibility there. Um, I think teams are in general communicating more effectively. So staff with clinicians, even outside of those direct leadership roles, are not feeling quite as siloed as they had before, where they sort of, I have this one leader I'm going to go to for these things and that's it. It seems like it's a much more collaborative environment. Yeah, I might also add that, and we're doing some analysis now because we just got through our recent engagement survey, but um, we are believing that we're seeing an improvement in retention for those departments and an improvement in the engagement scores. Yes. Uh, so uh, Sarah's actively working with our, um, great. our workforce intelligence folks to validate that. Yeah, workforce intelligence the spies <laughs> the engagement spies yes all good sorry sarah no it's fine it's just perfectly that yeah early on we did see in a couple of the teams we had gone in they had compared to other departments of similar size and structure they had higher engagement scores after going through the program so that's great that's great so then then begs the question so you're talking let's just say C-suite for lack of a better term, but the leader leadership, how far down does the dyad system, you call the system, work, uh, operate? Yeah, you know, it can go down all the way through the ranks of leadership. So our focus has really sort of been at that director level and then at the chair level. 
Um, but we have also had some conversations with leaders looking at even unit director level. So working it down even further. So it's really just about the structure that you have in place to make it happen. And where does it make the most sense to have if our two leaders actually needing to have those types of conversations and that structure to make things work, you know, how much responsibility do they individually have? And then what does it look like collectively? Yeah, and I would say um, uh, our team, including me as a team of six, right? And so when we talk about working with dyads for development and coaching, which is when working with individual dyads, it's quite a heavy lift from an hour's perspective for them and for us. We're looking at ways we can scale this into a workshop format for next calendar year. Um, but we try and focus on dyads where there is significant impact to patient outcomes or quality or revenue um, or engagement and retention. So probably more impactful for us to work with a dyad pair where there's a large span of control uh, and a lot of uh, need to improve outcomes rather than working with a dyad in a small department where there might be five staff members um, and a couple of doctors. Right. Yeah. So, so we don't take dyad literally like two one-on-one, like two people it can be dyad as in a group of, let's say that example of seven people can work as a dyad to uh, work together on issues related to both clinical and administrative. So we have been working from the literal sense of dyad and okay. we have triad. So what we've seen recently is when we think about expanding some of these departments, we'll have maybe in the one instance, we have one clinical leader over a very large clinical department and two administrative leaders. So the okay. three of them are functioning as a triad. In other cases, we try to leave it at that dyad level to, to make it um thinking about their roles and responsibilities to make it as equal as possible across the board. So we wouldn't want to pair someone who has very expansive responsibilities with someone who maybe doesn't have that same sort of control or authority over certain things. Um, but as a group together, there is a larger group, say a department of medicine, you could have five or six dyad or triad pairs within a department. Yeah. We, and literally we do work with the two. Mm -hmm. um, we start there to establish the leadership foundation before we then move in potentially to work with the teams beneath them who may have experienced uh, chaos, misfiring, maybe even trauma. Um, and so we work with the dyad leadership and then we may send in somebody else on our team who actually does team effectiveness consulting uh, to then work with the team to improve. But we've got to establish uh, the foundation of the dyad leadership to start. Wow. Well, let's peer behind the curtain a little bit. What are the common issues that arise in dyad leadership? I can just picture, you know, because we all have this image of from the shows where the doctor is like, they're gods and you do what I say, or, you know, there's hell to pay and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And the nurses are like, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know that's over exaggerating, but not always. <laughs> no, I would say there, we still encounter hesitation. I think, and an understanding of thinking about the two roles as equals. Um, so that's definitely something that we might have to work on. I think the 
the challenges can be sort of to Corey's point earlier is because if you're thinking about a dyad structure, each member of that dyad reports to someone else in a dyad. Mm -hmm. So you have two leaders that you're working with who also report to two different leaders. So depending on how deep you dig, you might start to really find some inconsistencies as you peel back some of those layers of leadership. Yeah. Sometimes to Sarah's point, we're, we are coaching the wrong level of dyad, right? Mm-hmm. So we coach a level of dyad and we find out the actual miscommunication and misfiring of consistent messaging and leadership is actually one up. It's the next level up. Oh. That's a challenge. <clears throat> We've had a couple of those within the last year. Um, the organizational structure does not always uh, support clear dyad relationships. So when Sarah was talking about, you might have one physician leader who has three different administrative dyad partners in different, for instance, ambulatory mm-hmm. clinics, or you might have one administrative VP who has three or four different physician leaders that they. Oh, right! With. I didn't even that's, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. So when they come to us and ask for dyad coaching and development, we're like, "Which leader are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. Um. So there's some of that. Um. Yeah, those That's are the big ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me a little bit more about the coaching and, and how it impacts the dyad. Like, do you coach some logistics? Do you coach each person individually and then together? Um, how does it work? Sure. Well, the only thing they do separately, we use what we mentioned in the article, that PRISM assessment. So mm-hmm. once they've taken that, they debrief individually with a coach. We come together for all of the rest of the sessions. So we provide that structure, the framework of what we're there to talk about in each section. But each time we meet, it's really that coaching conversation where we're just showing up. We're being really curious about the things on the page. And most of the time we're finding they really haven't talked about any of these things. Some of the things just happen to fall in place and things are working, but they've never said, are we meeting enough? Are we talking about the right things when we're meeting? Are we, you know, overcrossing responsibilities? So um, yeah, it's usually pretty interesting. Do you yeah, consider and- it, do you consider it relationship coaching sometimes? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off, Corey. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah, marriage coaching might be appropriate. Uh, right? Uh, <laughs> the way we structure it is it's more coaching than not. So when we redevelop the toolkit, we will send parts of that out as pre-work for them to think about and work on. Um, And then when they come together, it's really a coaching based program. You know, what did you find? What stood out for you? Uh, What did you not realize was happening or not happening? And then we help to coach them through that. Sarah does most of the diet work um, on the team that's shifting a little bit for the next calendar year. How many? Okay. So just again, a little bit of logistics. How big is Carillion? Is it multi-location, multi like thousands of people? We have roughly right under 15,000 employees. It might be around 14 right now, um, just with everything with COVID. So about 14,000. We have multiple community hospitals and hundreds of ambulatory sites. And how many dyad, what do you call them, pairs? <laughs> I mean, no, question. never mind. Dyads <laughs> are going on, right? Yeah. Like, are you, the only, you two the only ones coaching them, uh, developing how many people in your team? Yeah, um, was me for a little while, and now 
like Corey said, we're sort of expanding that. I'm working with another coworker to make this an in-person program, hopefully where we can get more people together at the table and put more people through this program rather than the way we've been doing it, which is, oh, this team needs help. We'll go in with this team. Oh, we hired someone new. We'll go in with this team. In terms of the total number of pairs, oh gosh, I, oh, I couldn't even, yeah. Hundreds of pairs. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And you said, how long has this been going on with with Carillion? You said it's been around for 10 years. It's been around. So the, the concept of dyads has been around that long. Our work, ILE was created right at the beginning of 2020. And so some of that work had sort of started there. And so out, over the last three years, we've restructured a little bit and then really focused on it. Do you have anybody asking to be in a diet? Or are they forced into it? Not forced, but it's part of the leadership journey you're, you're matched up. Yeah, I think we've got both. Uh-huh, I think so. Some are very curious about who they can work with and what that might be. And as we are hiring and we're bringing in different talent, I think it gives us a good perspective from what they get at other organizations as well. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. There's some uncertainty, but it's never, in most cases, it's not hesitation around not wanting to do it. It's just not knowing how. Yeah, or not knowing that the program exists, mm -hmm. which is another yeah. thing. So we've we've been very uh, careful about how we advertise it out, given that we have you know few resources, uh, which is why we want to scale. Um, I would say that so we're now starting to figure out that there are some people who are in purely administrative departments, you know, like finance, quality technology, other places where they have a another person who does the other half of the work. And so we're starting to do some diet coaching and development where it's not clinical and non-clinical, it's both non-clinical um, because they're really in a diet marriage. Um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, then thank you because my next question was going to be what other, so you've already found other places within your industry, but what other industries could you see benefiting from dyad leadership and coaching? Oh, well, I would think any industry where you yeah. have, you know, especially matrix organizations where you're thinking about how much people have to work together. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. So for my old worlds, I would think there are some companies with sales and marketing uh, where this would be apropos or marketing and product design mm -hmm. um in financial services i could see it where you know you may have somebody in a retail bank who has a customer that's also doing commercial business you know how do those leaders work well together yeah um, to customer yeah wow yeah i mean I'm, now i'm i'm you know for myself i'm like thinking about where else could this work and the retail so many retail areas and sales and marketing for sure They've never really been on the same page <laughs> right. in most in most cases. Oh my gosh, this has been absolutely fabulous. What would you, what do you want our audience to do as a result of the article in this conversation? That's a great question. I think just be curious about does a diet model work for where you are? Does it need to be created? What benefit could it serve even outside of like we've just talked about? clinical versus administrative, where could it maybe make sense? Where are there silos where maybe they don't need to be? Yeah, from what yeah. I'm hearing from this conversation, I would say if you see silos, there's an opportunity, consider an opportunity. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and also, um, you know, dyad development and coaching is really a form of group coaching, right? And so how can we as coaches support our clients or the companies that are paying for our services with more impact if we actually start looking to scale the coaching experience for them as opposed to focusing on individual leader contracts? Um, yeah, I or, could or, see a, a group, you know, doing a group of like six pairs, right? Mm-hmm. So kind of um, reaching more people at the same time. You know, we talked about what are, we didn't really get too far into how, what are the common issues, but if you had common issues or you made it like a, um, a mastermind, if you would, that kind of thing as well, like best practices, this happened to us. And then they explain it and break it down. And then others can see what, how they operate, what they, oh my goodness. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. So many opportunities. One of the ob- obstacles for us. And so we have a physician leader academy uh, that's a nine month non-cohort program. And we don't think we have enough physician leaders to do it again, whole cloth this next calendar year. And so what we're proposing is actually doing a workshop version of the dyad development and coaching where each department chair nominates one dyad so that we bring them all together and we might have 12 to 14 groups doing this work uh, so that we'll have more impact in the organization. Yeah. I think that's the biggest opportunity. And to your point around some some constraints or some issues we run into, you know, we're there from the coaching perspective. So when there are those hard questions where they they really don't know the answer and they're having trouble figuring it out, being able to have their network of peers to brainstorm would just would really amplify the entire program. So we want to get them in one room together. To use a publishing analogy to get them on the same page. <laughs> Sorry, that or was a, a, a dad joke. Yeah. Or off the page. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get the bad ones off the page and the good ones on the page. <laughs> Thank you two so much. This has been so interesting. Like I say, when I first saw this article come across our, our desks, I was like, Diad, Diad, what's this thing? So I'm really glad to have you have written this and for us to publish it. Um, what's the best way to reach you if our listeners or readers want to know more? So you can email us at our Carillion email addresses. Um, mine is cscolton at carillionclinic.org. And we'd be happy to talk. Absolutely. Awesome. And mine is sgkagarice, K-A-G-A-R-I-S-E at carillionclinic.org. Awesome. Carillionclinic.org. Thank you so much for joining us for this Beyond the Page episode and for sharing your wisdom. It was brilliant. Loved it. Learned so much, which is, you know, it's hidden secret to the listeners. This is why I do this, because I get to learn more. So I hope they do, too. Thank you both, Sarah, Corey. I really appreciate it. Well, thank, thank you for having us. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Beyond the Page. For more episodes, subscribe via your favorite podcast app. If you're not a subscriber yet, you can sign up for your free digital issue of Choice Magazine by going to choice-online.com and clicking the Sign Up Now button. And here's the one for you, Corey. I'm Gary Schleifer. Enjoy the journey of mastery. That's great. <laughs>